Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. My guest today is Canadian eventer Selena O'Hanlon. She is a long-standing member of the Canadian eventing team and has so far represented Canada at the Olympics, the World Equestrian Games and Pan American Games. We're going to hear all about her journey today. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I am joined by the fabulous Selena O'Hanlon. She's a Canadian eventer. What I love about Selena already, which going to let you into a little bit of insight, is she mucks out her own stables. Selena, how are you? I'm good. Very good. Nice to be here. When we were trying to get together on the podcast, you were like, oh, I'm so busy. Uh, you know, my, my staff are away at the moment and um, and I'm mucking out. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. How can you be mucking out when most riders don't have time? They, the last thing they want to do is that job themselves. It keeps me fit. Everybody asks me when they interview or anything like that do you cross train what do you do you know besides riding to stay fit and those mock stalls <laughs> sweep the barn <laughs> apparently sweeping burns the most calories out of all the barn chores that you do I do have a great staff and um, that day one of them had an unexpected day off and it was a Friday and I have these two lovely um, adults who work for me Bill and Deborah one of them is the husband of a lady who boards a horse here and one of them is a lady who decided she wanted to ride at the age of 60 Oh, and, amazing. Um, she comes in and does our water buckets six days a week now and works a full day on Monday. It's incredible. And Bill, um, I'm not sure how many days a week he works for us, but he comes out and mucks out stalls. And I swear they're worth three working students. When they're away, you really know you're missing them. So yeah. <laughs> that day we didn't have them. I didn't have one of my girls. And um, yeah, I, I like mucking out. It's, uh, it's time to think and reflect and plan sort of thing because everything you know mucking out comes pretty naturally in this uh this sport or career of choice whatever you want to call it yeah, so, and yeah I think it also keeps you down to earth a little bit you know you understand the hard work that goes into riding the horses and I think we have a bit more of respect for our horses as well when we're caring for them all the time otherwise it can the whole thing can become a bit like get on get off get on get off and you kind of keep that well, I don't know. You tell me, do you keep that connection when you're yeah, looking after sure. them more I hands-on? I have quite a few very cuddly horses in the barn and it's hard to mark their stalls out with them in there. But definitely it's nice to see them and, you know, just run your hand over them and say hello and that sort of thing. And yeah, get the day started right. So can you tell us a little bit about your horses and your yard? Uh, yes, we have around 27 28 stalls i think and in the summertime we're quite full sometimes we have horses in every nook and cranny i have my very first team horse watson's peanuts and he's probably 20 21 somewhere around there and he Mm. still does dressage work so sometimes he gets the boot into the arena um, during the summer as a stall giant stall so that we can use his (laughs) stall for clients and people shipping in for lessons and that sort of thing and half my barn has got a handful of fabulous boarders who support me no end um, and most of them take lessons here and they do different disciplines they're not all eventers Um, some of them do hunter jumper and one or two just do dressage and the rest are eventers and then the other side of the barn aisle is horses in for training or to be sold and my competition horses and my personal horses. I have one homebred uh, rather boldly that my fabulous groom Anne Marie rides. Um, so he takes up a big stall on that side. And then obviously Foxwood High takes up a nice big stall on that side. 
and I just got some new Irish horses, which is pretty exciting. So wow. I have two, two of them. One's called Ringwood Hustler, and his name is Goose. <laughs> and the other one is Ollie in the barn, and he is MS Thunderbolt. So I'm looking to syndicate those guys, but they just arrived a couple weeks ago, and they're settling in really well. Oh, good, because you found them when you came over to badminton, um, well, you came over to the UK for, for when badminton was on in May. So I heard that you went over to Ireland. Is that when you found these ponies, these horses? I rather? did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, don't worry, I call them all ponies too. I can't um, help it. It's like I don't know. <laughs> I, I call every horse a pony. <laughs> exactly, me too. Um, yes, I was over... I was lucky enough to go back over to Mark Todd's yard again this year. I did it for badminton last year, and I went over a month ahead. And last year I did uh, Belton, and this year I did Burnham Market. Did you? Kind of How mid- was? Oh uh, my goodness! I have too many questions, Selena. Too many questions. Let's just let's just go <laughs> back to finding Ollie um, in Ireland, and then we can talk about uh, when you saw stayed with Mark Todd because I'm just fascinated to find out about that. So, w- when you flew over to Ireland, did you have a set of uh, where you wanted to be? Did you know who you wanted to see, or was it just googling and then rock up? <laughs> Uh, luckily my mum and I have imported horses from Ireland before and we went to Gore's Bridge and I'm not sure if mum she didn't buy them through the sale but she saw some of the horses that we bought at the sale and luckily we met some fabulous people over there um, Catherine Murphy and she owns the Alamo B&B so that's where we stayed this time again because we became really good friends of the family and they came and visited us last time Hmm. and yeah then we hooked up with uh, uh, Hutchison Sport Horses and Global Eventing. Chris Hunt from Global Eventing helped me find Ringwood Hustler and uh, Hutchison Sport Horses helped me find MS Thunderbolt. And it was pretty fun because this time I was there for the whole thing. So I got to go to all the top farms that you see horses coming out of and being produced beautifully like Cooley and Sportsfield and Ringwood and we got to go to a jumper show while we were there and see seven-year-olds doing like a meter 30. It was incredible. Wow. Um, yeah, I saw so many quality horses. It was hard to choose. And I was over there for a client looking for horse and, and somebody, uh, a silent partner has helped me get, um, I was heading over to look for one horse and found two. <laughs> the trouble is getting them to pass the vet, but we got those ones um, to pass the vet. Interesting. Why, why is it difficult? Oh, it's just like that when you're um, buying horses because obviously buying the Irish horses and bringing them over, you have to really vet them quite rigorously because of selling them if you need an exit strategy. When you're importing the horses in case they don't work out for eventing or the syndicate, you know, a partner or somebody needs to back out. So they have to be able to pass the vet to be bought in America or North America. And the vetting process is quite stringent. Now Mm. people are looking for kissing spine and all sorts of different things. So the vetting and the x-rays and all that are quite intense. And when you go looking that far and that deep, you inevitably find a little something and it's such an expensive process to bring them over that if there's any defect no matter how minor it is you probably wouldn't bring them over whereas if you were buying them in North America or for yourself if there was a minor defect that you didn't think would affect the horse in the long run or wasn't a problem for you as an owner that would be okay but 
as far as trying to get them to pass the vet to sell, they have to be pretty spotless. So yeah, just but we vetted four horses in one day and every single one of them failed. <laughs> so I had to goodness. stay an extra week and look what, for more horses. Yeah. What What were the things that they were failing on? Uh, one of them had um, the start of kissing spine. I think three were x-rays and one was clinic, uh, clinical. Yeah. Hmm. I kind of feel for the horses because I wonder what's going to happen next. You wonder if those dealers are going to actually say, you know, say to people, you know, he might have kissing spine, so he might not be great for the the top level, but you know, he could ride some with kissing the, spine. Some of the things are are things that would not do well on hard ground, and so they would be they would be fine to sell within Europe um, because the footing over there is much softer. So, if it was anything kind of concussion related or anything like that, then it wouldn't matter so much. So they would be happy to sell them in Europe because mm. they would uh, have an easier time of it. Whereas over here in the summer months, the ground is like concrete. So you don't want to bring them over if they've got any um, minor defect like that. And a lot of people aren't, but like I have to have an exit strategy. Obviously I don't want to resell them. I hope that it works out and they become, you know, following the footsteps of Woody, but, if that doesn't uh, work out, you kind of have to think ahead and think like a businesswoman. And so, whereas somebody who is buying it privately, they might not mind if it had a little something or whatever, because they're not trying to resell it when they get it mm. back to North America. So That's me. I'm just like that. I'd buy it because it had a defect. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely like, bought a few, yes. Have you? <laughs> yeah. So um, Woody then, he's your main man, and mm-hmm. um, I believe that uh, the wonderful Sir Mark Todd got to ride him when you were staying with Mark. How was that? Amazing. It was my dream. I, I wanted him to ride him once um, last year, but we just kind of ran out of time, and my dressage coach came over for the last week before badminton, so I never got a chance to ask him to sit on him, and this time I got up my courage and I asked him if he would mind sitting on uh, Foxwood High and I just thought that they would look so good together because they're such tall glasses of water both of them so Mm. I was right they fit each (laughs) other beautifully and um, Mark Todd cantered around did a lot of canter work turned on the haunches stuff like that and then patted him and gave him a little break and turned to me and said oh yeah he's a lot of fun and I just about (laughs) passed out I could have died and gone to heaven right there and then he walked him around a bit and then he started working on his trot and some children and really trying to help me with his medium trot and his extended trot because that's always the uphill battle with him and really enjoyed him and said you know what he's you've got him going lovely and you guys are a really beautiful picture and you're already winning so don't forget that when you go in the ring and obsess over that one movement because if you make him tense you'll you know take marks off of all the rest of the movements so it was nice to have that said and it was nice to see Mark Todd ride him and say that he was a lovely ride. And mm. that means Woody's come a long way. So, yeah, pretty pretty nice compliment, I think. It's amazing. And, and did you produce Woody yourself? No, I got Woody when he was seven. And um, Jimmy Elder and John Rumble are very best of friends because they were on teams together. And they are the ones who picked Woody out as a four-year-old, I believe. And they bought him from Hugh Graham or out of Hugh Graham's yard. Um, he is a top Canadian show jumper and does a lot of breeding. And Jimmy Elder's grandson, Chad Elder, rode him 
and was learning how to event a little bit when when I got the ride on Woody. And I think Chad was off to university, so I was only supposed to have Woody for the winter in Ocala. And then we hit it off really well, and Chad actually went on to do something else, I believe. So Woody just kind of ended up staying with me. So I've had <laughs> him since yeah. <laughs> oh well lucky you and he's been with you ever since how lovely I'm, I'm fascinated to know Selena how um because you ride for the Canadian team and Sir Mark Todd is New Zealand so how did it end up that you are staying at his yard I am blessed I always say my I might not have been born into a monetarily rich family but I was born into a family my mum did this before I did and almost went to the Olympics, was doing, you know, the last kind of qualifiers before Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And she has met some fantastic people along the way. And she started obviously based in England and Europe and then came over to Canada when I was very young. And all those people that she met and who taught her in the past now help me and teach me. So I knew Mark Todd a little bit through my mum, and also I had taken quite a few clinics with him when he used to come to Canada. So my mum said, why not ask to stay with the best in the world? And I thought, you bet. (laughs) Oh, that's so so lovely. And it was phenomenal, yeah. What a uh, facility with an all-weather gallop uphill and just his depth of knowledge and, and the ring and watching him ride. And I got to watch him have lessons last year. Um, this year he was quite busy with his racehorse, so I didn't see as much of him. But I got him to ride Woody, so that was icing yeah. on the cake. <laughs> That's all you need, isn't it, really? I think what's so lovely is with our industry at the moment, um, I think you're a similar age to me. I'm I'm hoping I, I get this right. I'm around 34. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so are you similar age? 38, yeah. 38, okay. So we're in our 30s. And I'm finding that um, the youngsters that are coming through and women our age are, no matter what uh, experience you have or how professional you are, are really not that supportive. And what I'm getting from the guys like Mark Todd that have been around for years is that the the people within their sector at that time really support each other and have stayed friends and have stayed helping each other. And they're ready to, they're passing on the experience, they're passing on the baton. And somehow I wish that our age group and the youngsters would do that as well. But I fear that it's so competitive now that we're losing that connection with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I definitely prefer the eventers when you're talking of industry. I would say in general, you know, the camaraderie and that's the support I feel no matter what country you're riding for and that sort of thing, you can always lean on somebody. Like if you're a coach and you have a bunch of students there and you're competing and you had to leave the venue for some reason, whether, you know, you hurt yourself or, you know, for whatever reason, then another coach will just step up and scoop up your students and take them on the course walk and make sure that, you know, they might not be able to be there for the warm up, but maybe they could set fences or do the course walk or you could ask them questions about studs and that sort of thing. Mm. I feel like that part is still very um, prevalent for me, uh, no matter where I am in the world Um, and not, and doesn't really switch to the age group. Maybe the young riders and and that sort of thing. It's a little different probably just because I I don't know them as well. But definitely, um, you know, kind of my age group. I'm hoping it's my age group. (laughs) I always find people are younger than I thought they were. 
Yeah. Um, I still <laughs> are, we're are old. There to, I know it's getting <laughs> that way. Uh, are there to lend a helping hand, you know, when you need it. So yeah, I definitely prefer the adventures. Oh, so when we see you on the course walk, then it's okay. We can run over to you. Go, Selena, we're you following it. you. Yeah, you'll be the one you with the white flag. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So um, sadly, you couldn't ride at badminton this year. What what happened? Poor Winnie Woodster. He, um, I'm not sure. He just didn't feel right when on my last gallop before badminton, maybe the week before. I was at uh, Mark Todd's and I was using the all-weather gallop and we did the first gallop and he felt fine and then I did the second gallop and when I was going from, you know, going down through the gear, so gallop to canter to trot, I just, you know, I know him so well. He wasn't lame or anything, but I just, I do all my own everything on him. I do all his fitness work, his gallops, his trot sets, lunging him, everything, so I know him inside out and then on my third gallop I thought you know what he's super fit if um if I'm not feeling it I'll take him back to the barn and I'll call Dr. Christiana Ober who's super and knows Woody really well as well because she used to be the Canadian team vet Hmm. and she looks after him while he's over there and I brought him back to the barn and she said you know what you're right he's just not 100% on that front left and then four days later he was fine um, but you know, it just wasn't worth the risk to run him. So I've brought him back and given him a holiday. I don't usually run him in the summer over here anyway, because as I said, it's really hard and hot. The only one I would, um, have liked to have done would be the nation's cup in July. Um, but I'll have to miss that out because it's super hot and super hard there. It's hard, isn't it? Because there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot at stake. You know, you spend a fortune to come over here. And, yes. I, and I think it's highly commendable that at all times you're putting Woody first. And even the slightest feel, you know, many yeah. inexperienced riders that are going through the ranks may have pushed their horse into badminton and yeah they said if i had done that he could have injured on the course and Mm. you know it wouldn't have been the matter of just a holiday so i think it's important that you do as much of your own fitness work as you can and that sort of thing because it's really important i've always had really old horses or horses i'm rehabbing or whatever and it's not just the steps you take on course or when you're galloping them or when you're in a lesson it's where you trot them when you're trotting, you know, on the driveway or on my hack over to my gallop. And I dodge rocks and potholes and, you know, every footfall is really important to me because it's my one horse and I have to, he's older and I have to get him to where I want him to go. So he's finished stronger every big event he's done and he won everything this spring. So he doesn't owe me anything. He's never had a a lame day he's done I think seven five stars um he's gone consistently and not had any holidays or anything like that so I thought it best to give him a break and bring him out in fall his owner wants him to go back to badminton next year so that's really exciting hmm. and then if Canada qualifies for um, the country for the Olympics then who knows maybe he will be able to go to Tokyo and and if not I will be happy to take him to badminton and then I'm going to retire him and downgrade him and hopefully uh, he'll be fit and sound and Anne-Marie can have a try on him at the prelim level. I loved how they did that with Ballynoe Castle and Buck Davidson and Kathleen. 
Oh, it's lovely, isn't it, to see they've got a life afterwards. But it's it's interesting to. Um, I'm interested, I guess, to see uh, Tokyo isn't that far away, but equally he'll be what twenty four, twenty five by then. No, no, uh, he'll be uh, seventeen. He's only just. 20. Oh, he's not twenty. Oh, which one's twenty one? Um, peanuts. That was oh. my very first. Well, yeah, I, you know, I didn't. I was like, hang on a minute, he's going to be really old. Like, if you can still, yeah, that would be impressive. <laughs> uh, oh, well, that's exciting for him then. So he's got quite a big future coming up. Then, when is Tokyo? Uh, next summer. Wow. Oh gosh, it only feels like yesterday. We were saying it's four years away. I know. So when it's do you hard find out? Yeah. When do you find out if you've qualified? I believe. The last qualifier is the Pan American Games in Peru, and we have to get gold or silver. But I know that Brazil team, America's team, and the Canadian team are all bidding for spots to qualify. So those are three strong uh, contending teams trying to get two medals. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Are you, are you yeah. on that list to go? It'll be a nail-biter. Uh, no, I sadly had to um, withdraw Woody from the Pan American selection just because he's having his holiday and he wouldn't be, although he'll be back in work by then, he wouldn't be fit. So just for me then, so that I can understand this, so how, but didn't you say earlier that he might go to uh, Tokyo? How would he go to Tokyo if he hasn't qualified? Oh, he's qualified. The country's not qualified. Oh, okay. So and how does he did badminton? If he did that, if he did anything next year, he all he would have to do, he's already qualified now. And then you have to do that level within three months. So like an advanced or a three star or something like that. I can't, I've lost all the track of the stars now. <laughs> but um, yeah, he would have to do something big in the spring um, to get ready, you know, to make sure he was qualified as far as qualified to go. But the actual country, we don't have a team slot right now. Oh. All, a lot of the other countries are all qualified, but America doesn't have a team slot and Brazil doesn't have a team slot and Canada doesn't have a team slot and they're all a part of the Pan American Games. I see. Okay, so yeah. after that, then you'll find out who gets to go. So it's up to my teammates. Come on, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> if my teammates can qualify us in uh, in Peru, then Canada will be qualified and then they'll choose a team took um from the riders next year to go to tokyo oh goodness and so will you could you be in that list yes oh absolutely. amazing okay great i think i'm up to date because i wasn't sure sometimes the horses can be can be qualified but the riders aren't necessarily is that the case yeah yeah yes it is yep woody and i are both qualified as of right now but we would still have to do something in um 2020 Oh, because give the you're... guy a break. It's fine then. You've got loads of time. Exactly. You got it. That's right. Positive mental attitude. <laughs> so, um, gosh, so you've been doing this a long time then. And uh, did you start riding when you were really little? I presume your mum being so incredible at eventing, was that always what you wanted to do? Or was there ever a time where you thought you might take on a different discipline? I have been, I had my first horse when I was seven. And I started eventing when I was nine because... I think that's kind of the age that you're allowed to start. I don't know if that rule has changed or not. Mm. And um, when I began, I did Western, but not barrel racing and stuff. I did trail classes and pole bending and 
it taught me a lot. Like you have to walk across bridges with your horse and you have to open gates and you have to sidestep through a maze of poles and you have to back up, you know, reverse through a maze of poles. And it teaches you a lot about how to maneuver the horse later on. And then my mom was so busy then that she couldn't take me to events and that sort of thing. So my dad took me to those Western shows. And then once I started eventing, I never looked back. But uh, there was a point when I did my first Olympics, I wanted to do my first Olympics in eventing. And then I wanted to try switching to show jumping and trying to get to the Olympics at that as well, because I knew that Mark Todd had done it. And I think Jimmy Elder's done it. And 